Um, just stepped away for a, a moment from our, we've been uh, led by the Spirit series that we've been looking at. Um, it's all, all of this is all God's words, um, but just picking up on a slightly different element. Um, every now and again, I, I love to pick up the phrase, the words of, from the cross. So there are words that Jesus spoke from the cross. They're very, very powerful. And I'm going to look at some words from the cross as we walk up to Easter again. Uh, not, not many weeks now, is it? But I uh, just felt that a connection today with it being uh, Mothering Sunday, but also these words from the cross. But Jackie and I are very aware that on a day such as today, um, it's always filled with a mixture of emotions. And I'm sure even, even as we handed out uh, daffodils and so on as we prayed, for many of us, we, we give thanks for the, the mothers who, who gave us life, but also recognize that for some of us, that relationship may have been very difficult. It may have been a challenging relationship. Some of you here would dearly love to be mothers, but for whatever reason have not been able to be, or that journey has been a challenging one for you. From a number of us, I'm well aware, even in my own life, that our mothers are no longer with us. Uh, my own mum died on leap year day 30 years ago, so I was quite a young guy. There's a mixture of emotions. But my prayer, my hope is that as we go through these next moments together, you will be encouraged, you will be strengthened, um, and I believe you'll be challenged. Because I believe that there is something in the heart of God for every one of us to be gripped by, which is his love for us. Whatever our circumstance, whatever our history, our hearts are to be gripped by the passion, the compassion of the Lord Jesus. And we're going to see this in a story um, that comes out while Jesus is at the cross. It's in John chapter 19. And uh, there's the whole story in John 19 of Jesus being sentenced to be crucified and all that went on with that whole story. Just going to break into that story at verse 16. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot, by throwing dice, who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. 
Soldiers threw dice for Jesus' underwear. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved, which we understand to be John, who's writing this gospel, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his own home. Jesus, there are moments when we are lost for words. What you went through for us. Help us as we just look at this tiny little moment in the midst of this horrific agony and shame. Help us to understand, Lord, your heart, your love, your compassion towards us as we look at this story. Holy Spirit, open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. There is so much that we could look at in these verses, but today I particularly just want to look at those last uh, two verses, 26 and 27. I don't know if we just put them back up again. That's great. Thank you. This brief but wonderful moment between Jesus, his mother, Mary, and his best friend, John. Jesus saw his mother there, the disciple whom he loved, John, standing nearby, and he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his own home. Such a, a brief moment, such a tiny, I counted it up just this morning, Do you know, it's only 40 words, 40 words there, but they are the most profound and amazing couple of verses. You see, one of the things about the Lord Jesus is he is utterly, utterly different to any other president, king, ruler, so-called human saviour that our world has ever known, has ever lived. See, the problem with human saviours, and we have them, they exist in our world, people who set themselves up, who, you know, some of whom we would even perhaps vote for, but people all over the world down through the centuries, they, they set themselves up to help. They have a dream. They carry great dreams. They, they have a passion, a desire to accomplish great exploits around the world. And many of them do, of course. But very often, in the process of doing whatever it is that they've been called to do, they lose sight of the individual. In their great plan to rule the world or rule the country or the region, wherever they might be, individuals can often become expendable. We've only got to think about our own news regularly. You'll find someone's in a team and they're no longer in the team. They were a vital part of the cabinet or the, the White House or any other country for that. And, you know, they were a close confidant and they were a close friend, apparently, but now they are no more. Now they are no more. They've disappeared. They've gone. They've left. They're expendable in some way or other. But this king, 
This saviour, the one who rules over the universe while stripped naked, brutally nailed to the cross, is different. This is not any king. This is the king. This is the king of kings. This is the Lord of lords. The one whose range and reach is as wide as the world. In fact, it covers the whole of the universe. You can start to get excited at any point now. You're welcome to. In fact, he created the furthest stars. This is the one to whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given. This is the one through whom all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. This is the one who sustains all things. He holds everything together by his powerful words. This is almighty, all-glorious, wonderful saviour. In all his glory, in all his wonder, in all his awesomeness, at the same time, is utterly committed to each and every one of us personally. Personally. Holding each and every one of us in his loving and compassionate gaze. In the moment of extreme horror and shame, with the weight of the whole sin of the world placed upon him, him who knew no sin became sin. Finds the time, the energy, the mental clarity to express his personal loving concern for his mother and one of his special friends. It may not be immediately obvious to us, but these words of Jesus to his mother and to John are an incredible encouragement to our faith. But they're also right, rooted right in the heart of the gospel. And the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what church is about. We're not just here because we're nice people. We're not here to sing some nice songs. We're here because of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, he has this ability to display the heart of the gospel in this agony and shame. There's three reasons that I just quickly want us to look at and I want to give credit where credit's due. Some years ago I was reading around these verses and came across an article that had been written by John Piper. Some of you will know John Piper, a great Bible teacher and theologian. And my thinking on this was very much shaped uh, by him. But I want to give you three points. First is this, Jesus' willingness to care for you. Jesus' willingness. Listen to this. If Jesus was so willing to care for his mother at such a horrifically painful point, how much more is he willing to care for us, his followers, his disciples, who hear God's word and are obedient to it? Now you might be thinking, but Mark, hang on, you got that round the wrong way. You've put that round the wrong way. If he loved his disciples who were not his relatives, how much more would he love his own mother? The thing we have to remember about Jesus is he sees things differently to us. Of course Jesus loved his mother with a natural affection. Of course he did. 
But we need to understand how much more he loves us, his disciples, who've surrendered our lives in obedience to him. Listen to these words from Luke chapter 8, verse 19. Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. He did also have some sisters as well. Another, another writer tells us this. But they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone went to him and said, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Now we need to understand, this is not Jesus being rude to his mother and his brothers. What Jesus is doing here is seizing a moment to teach the crowds that are all gathered around him. And it's in the word of God, so it's there to teach us as well. There's a lesson, and it's this. It's that Jesus wanted to teach how important and valuable it is for us to hear God's word and to be obedient to it and put it into practice. If we do... The implications for us are massive. As shocking as it may sound to us, it's very clear from what Jesus is saying, and you can find it in a number of other scriptures in the the New Testament, that when we hear God's words and we do them, we have a quicker and more intimate and immediate access to Jesus and to his help than his own family members do. You're not convinced. (laughs) You're taking it in. You're processing. See, being a Christian is not just about adding Jesus as a lucky charm to our lives. Jesus is not a fridge magnet statement. Jesus is not someone just to pop in once in a while, just in case. I'll keep my options open. Being a genuine follower, a disciple, a Christian, a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, requires total surrender. In fact, death. Death of me trying to be God. Death of me being in charge. Total surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Now that's challenging, deeply challenging. It's risky. It's risky to hear God's word and to put it into practice. It won't always be popular. You won't always be friendly with everyone. It's a risk of my reputation. It's a risk uh, in the community and at work. The risk of being stripped naked and crucified. Risk of what I've held on to. Everything that I've considered precious. You see, God's word calls us to sacrifice. Jesus said to the disciples, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. See, denying ourselves is totally the opposite to the way of the world. But brothers and sisters, we need to hear a great truth this morning. There is nothing safer There is nothing more rewarding than to hear God's word and be obedient to it. Why? Because Jesus said, those who hear and do the word of God are my mother and my brothers. You're my mother. You're my brother. If you do what I say. Love-filled, 
grace-motivated obedience to God and to his word places us into a relationship with Jesus which is more intimate and more certain for us to be heard and helped than it is of his nearest family and relations. It's astonishing. It's not that he was against his mother and his brothers, but he's wanting to teach us Jesus' love for us, his willingness to come towards us. It's a tremendous encouragement for our faith to hear these words of Jesus from the cross. As he makes sure that his mother will be cared for after his death. So we need to know that's what he's doing. But those who hear and put into practice God's word have an even greater claim on Jesus' care than his mother Mary. If he took care of her like that at such a horrific time, how much more will he provide for your needs? Let that build you. Let that encourage your faith and motivate you as you choose to surrender your life in obedience to him. I invite you this morning, I'm going to invite you two or three times this morning to take a decision to surrender your life to Christ. Yes, it will be challenging. I'm not going to say it will be easy. There will be things in your life that will be turned upside down, but you will come into an intimate relationship with your Saviour in a way that you never would have known. You will know his friendship. You will know his love. You will know his provision. You will know that your sin is forgiven. So the first reason to be encouraged is Jesus' willingness to care for you. If he could care for Mary and for John, how much more is he willing to care for you? The second reason is this, Jesus' ability to take care of you. Okay, Jesus' willingness, Jesus' ability to take care of you. If Jesus could provide for the needs of Mary in that moment of his deepest weakness and humiliation, how much more can he provide for your need now in his present power and uh, position? See, not only are you as an obedient disciple in a better position and Jesus' own mother, to receive one blessing after another from him, he is in a much better position now to give to you than he was to her then. Let me explain. Listen to these words, very well-known words, Ephesians chapter 1. This is the Apostle Paul praying. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you've been called. I want you to have your eyes open to know the hope to which you've been called. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That's all the believers. And his incomparably great power for us. Some translators say that that word is in us also. In us, for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, authority, power and dominion, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. 
which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus is risen from the dead. Come on, my friends. Jesus is risen from the dead. (laughs) The same power that God used, he exerted to raise Christ from the dead, is at work in us and for us who believe. Jesus prayed that he might return to the glory that he'd had with the Father from the beginning. So where is Jesus now? He's in the glory that he had with the Father from the beginning because he prayed that he might return. Paul makes it clear, Jesus is now seated in glory. And he says, so he says to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 19, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He says in Romans 10 verse 12, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Who wants to be richly blessed? Amen? Well, if you call on him, his promise is that you will be richly blessed. All those who call on him. Why are the words of Jesus to his mother from the cross such an great encouragement to our faith? If he could provide for her in that moment of horrific weakness and humiliation, how much more can he meet all of our needs today now that he is seated at the right hand of God, full of the power of God, full of the wealth and the glory of God? How much more? Ephesians 2, 4-6 Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dear, dead in our sins. It is by grace we have been saved. God raised us up with Christ. I want us to say together, I have been raised with Christ. I have been raised with Christ. Do you hear that? Seated with him. I am seated with him. Let's say that. I am seated with him. I've been raised with Christ. I'm seated with him in heavenly realms. Brothers and sisters, we need to receive this as deep encouragement. Not only Jesus' willingness to care for us, but his ability His ability to care for us in the glory of the Father. His presence, His grace, His mercy being poured out upon us. Be encouraged. If you've surrendered your life to Christ, if you're seeking to be an obedient follower, putting his word into practice, you need to know the deep encouragement of the willingness and the ability of the Lord Jesus to care for you, to save you, to rescue you. If you've not yet surrendered your life to Christ, I invite you again today to do that, that you might know the lavish love of God coming upon you. That you might know that you have eternal life. That you might know that your sin is forgiven. That you know that you have an eternal place in heaven that cannot be taken away because of his willingness and because of his ability. 
There's a third reason. This is such a rich little set of 40 words. There's a third reason that Jesus' words to his mother and John encourages our faith. It's because he speaks to us of a new spiritual family that we have been placed into the body of Christ that we just read about, which is the church. Philip Greenslade in his great book, which I sometimes quote, Voice from the Hill, says, Here, on the level ground at the foot of the cross, the church was born. We don't know why Jesus... We say, well, Jesus had brothers, and, 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 and another account tells us he had sisters. But we don't know why Jesus didn't put Mary into the care of, of her other sons. But what is clear in this moment, Jesus does something very, very intentional. And it's clear that we're meant to know it. It's in the Word of God, and it's, it's there for us to know for all time. Jesus did something very, very intentional in this moment. He forms a new relationship between Mary and John. And as someone has once called it, what he's doing, he's calling into being in this moment a cross-shaped community. A cross-shaped community. Listen to this quote that I came across. This may be John Piper. I couldn't quite find out who it was, but just want you to hear it. I think we might be able to put it up. Just as Jesus' mother and the beloved disciple would not otherwise have been related had not Jesus at his death brought them together and charged them with being mother and son to each other, so the church is the community of people who would not otherwise be related, but whom the crucified Jesus brings together forging new relationships through his death for us. As Jesus was bringing Mary and John together in this new relationship, this is what Jesus has done on the cross for us, bringing us together into this new community, this new relationship. Some of you don't have mothers. But you've been called to be a mother to others who don't have mothers. Some of you don't have children, but there are many, many children, both young and old, who need you to come alongside them and care for them. Some don't have grandparents. You can be their grandparents. Some don't have mothers and fathers. You can be, in fact, you are mothers and fathers to each other. In losing her one special son, as it were, Mary actually regains him in millions. And millions of sons and daughters through whom her son can be seen. I quoted these at the beginning of the year. i just come back to it again. Mark chapter 10. Peter spoke up and said, We've left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who's left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Many who are first will be last and the last first. 
Where in life are we going to receive hundreds of children, hundreds of mothers? Where are we going to find the father that we never had? The brother that we always would have liked to have had, the sister, the uncle, the auntie, the grandparents. Where are we going to find that? The answer? Here, in the church. In the church, the family of God. I remember years ago, uh, our eldest daughter, Lauren, coming home from school one day, and she told us that her friends had been asking her all about how did she know so many people? And, and you know people from other countries. How did you meet them? How do you know so many people? You know older people. I don't know any old people. You know old people. Uh, you know people from different countries and backgrounds. How do you know them? And she said, she, I remember coming home, we had one of our many tea time conversations, usually instigated by our eldest daughter. And uh, she said, it's the church, isn't it? It's the church. I know... My friends don't, you know, they know a few of their friends and they've got a small family. That's it. And they were asking me, but you know this person and that person. You know people from Africa and India, other places. How do you know them? Where have you met them? You've got people you can go to with wisdom. People who've had experience in life. People who've made wrong choices. People who've made right choices. You can go and talk to them. You've got people who will come alongside and stand with you in your loneliness, in your isolation. How do you know them? Because Jesus died on the cross. Because Jesus was stripped naked. Soldiers threw dice for his underwear. But in that moment, he brought together a new community. Mary, this is your son. John, this is your mother. The church. The church. Now it's possible, you might say, slightly tongue-in-cheek, Mark, I've not always found the church to be very good at this. I know. I've been a pastor for 30 years. I want us to remember the context of this story. It's the cross. At the cross, Jesus Christ sacrificed everything for us. He laid down his life. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And now we live in the amazing blessing of that sacrifice, of that self-giving, of that life-giving. We have now, for many of us, are calling ourselves followers of that one, of that one who gave himself. And so I want to say this, what it does is it motivates us to give of ourselves to others. So we don't wait for someone to be a mother or a father to us. We go, we cross the room, we go instead and we go to be a sister or a brother, a father, a mother, a grandparent to someone else. As we see the willingness of Christ, the ability of Christ, the blessing of Christ in our lives, it causes us to cross the room to one another, to go and be, to lay our lives down for others who don't have, to be a blessing. To go and see the blessing of God flowing from us 
to others. Amen? Just want to respond for a moment or two. We're going to, there's communion tables here. We'll bring them forwards. Let's just take a moment. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Lord Jesus, again we come and we say, thank you. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. We should be called the children of God. That your love for us took you to the cross with that horrific weight of sin and shame. The punishment, Lord, not just the physical punishment, but the spiritual, emotional weight that was poured out upon you for our sake, for my sake. That I might be made whole, that I might be restored to the Father that I might know what it is to be in the family of God. just want to invite you this morning, if you've never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus, I want you to invite it, uh, to consider what the death of Jesus means to you. Why did he die? He died for you, that you might be forgiven, that you might know his love, his grace, his mercy. You might be brought into a place of assurance and hope and healing. Do you know that? It's an invitation this morning to surrender your life. To come to him and say, thank you Lord Jesus. You died for me. I believe you died for me. ask you to forgive me for my sin. ask you to come now and live within me as, as my Lord and my Saviour. Come and flood me with your Holy Spirit. I invite you to do that this morning. For others of us, there's areas of pain. Even the theme of the day causes us pain and challenge. I I want to invite you this morning as you come to the communion table, as you take communion, I want you to receive again the love of Christ. I want you to receive again and to understand again his willingness and his ability to fill you and flood you and encourage you and strengthen you and bless you. Where you're finding it hard to forgive, I want to invite you to look again at the cross and ask him to help you to forgive. Where you have questions and concerns, I want to invite you, come again to that cross and bring them there and see his willingness to intimately come to you, to know you, to be with you, to strengthen you and help you. If you're lacking in power in these days, I want you to invite you to come again and see the power of God that now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. The cross is empty, the tomb is empty. It's a finished work. He's now seated in the glory of the Father. And that glory is also for you, that you might know his power and your presence in your life. Lord, I pray, just invite you right where you're sitting right now. Just open your hands if you're comfortable. Open your heart, lift your heads. 
Lord, we just receive from you today. We receive freshly from you today. Fresh touch on your body, Lord. Fresh touch of your presence, your power. This glorious truth of the how much more of our God. Thank you for this little tiny story in the midst of this agony and shame. Your love and compassion towards your mother and towards John. Lord, so clearly shouts to us of your love and your compassion and care for us as we surrender our lives to you, as we pursue you. As we come to this communion table this morning, Lord, would you speak freshly to us. Help us to feed on you again, to feed on these truths by faith. We thank you for your life that was given. We thank you for your blood that was shed. Speak to us, heal us, deliver us, equip us, and send us out, Lord, from here with a knowledge of that love, knowledge of your goodness in us, that we might be a mother, a brother, a father, a sister, a a grandparent, to those around us. We might be a blessing to this town, this island, this nation, for your glory and for your namesake. Amen. Amen.